Welcome to another episode of the SaaS Podcast. I'm your host, Omar Khan, and this is the show where I interview proven founders and industry experts who share their stories, strategies, and insights to help you build, launch, and grow your SaaS business. In this episode, I talk to Itaken Tank, the founder and CEO of Jotform, a SaaS product that helps people to create and publish online forms. Itaken used to work as a developer for a media company, and he was continuously building online forms for the editors, such as surveys, polls, quizzes, and so on. He didn't enjoy creating those forms, and he thought the work was pretty boring. So he decided to research and find a product that would help him do his job. The only thing he could find at the time was SurveyMonkey, but he didn't just want to do surveys. He wanted to be able to do a bunch of things with online forms. So he thought to himself, if I ever quit my job and start my own business, this could be a potential product that I build. And as it goes, one day he did quit his job and started building exactly that product. That was 12 years ago. Today, Jotform has over 4 million users and generates seven figures in annual revenue. In this episode, you'll learn how Itaken validated his idea without doing any customer interviews, how he got his first 500 paying customers without doing any marketing, and how he's bootstrapped a seven-figure and profitable business with no debt. I think you'll get a ton of insights from this interview, so I hope you enjoy it. Before we get started, there are three things I want to tell you about. Firstly, I've created a great resource for you called the SaaS Toolkit, which will tell you about the 21 essential tools that every SaaS business needs. You can get a free copy of the toolkit by going to thesaspodcast.com. Secondly, if you need help building, launching, and growing your SaaS business, then check out SaaS Club Plus. It's our premium membership and community designed to help you get the insights, motivation, and support you need to succeed. Just head over to sasclub.co to learn more and join the waitlist. And thirdly, I want to tell you about Member Spotlight. It's a new segment where each episode, I'm going to feature one SaaS Club Plus member and tell you about their SaaS business. On today's member spotlight, I want to give a shout out to Stuart Crane, the founder of Voice Metrics. Voice Metrics allows SaaS companies to voice enable their software and offer an Alexa skill, Google Action, or Siri app to their customers in less than a day. Voice is the next evolution of computing and offers a way for your customers to get information and interact with your software. But if you've ever tried building those apps, there's a huge learning curve that comes with building voice apps. Voice metrics makes that entire process easier and lets you create a branded skill or app that your customers could start using tomorrow. So check out voice metrics at voicemetrics.io and see how you could start voice enabling your SaaS product today. Okay, let's get on with the interview. I take in. Welcome to the show. Uh, it's great to be in your show. Well, let's start by my icebreaker question. Like, uh, do you have a favorite quote that, that inspires you? Or, or maybe in your own words, just tell us, like, what gets you out of bed every day? Um, my favorite quote is by Steve Jobs. Um, stay hungry, stay foolish. I think this quote is about having a learning mindset. 
Um, why being foolish is so good? Uh, because if you are not fooling around, if you are not trying different things, you might get stuck on on your local optimums. Um, you might reach some success, but the success becomes your prison. Then you keep doing the same things uh, all the time um, instead of trying different things. Uh, that's why I love this quote, um, and that's what I try to do in my business. So let's uh, kind of give the listeners a uh, kind of a overview of JotForm. So can you kind of tell us, like, what does the product do? Who's it for? JotForm is an online form builder. Um, you can easily create pretty much any kind of form using JotForm. Uh, most common use cases include sign-up forms, event registration forms, payment forms, surveys, enrollment forms, lead generation forms. and there is no like one single target customer for JotForm. Pretty much anyone who works in an office needs forms, and um, our business is kind of similar to uh, you know, spreadsheets or word processors or email. That um, you know, if you work in an office, you need forms, and we think that um, that the world actually has not discovered the power of forms, and it's kind of our mission to you know get the world to adopt using online forms. And uh, we believe that that will actually increase their productivity and efficiency. And uh, we host 10 million forms for our 4 million users. Uh, some of our clients include uh, Tesla, Facebook, Harvard University, uh, American Heart Association, and BBC. You know, online forms isn't exactly a, a glamorous product. And... Uh-huh. Uh, but why do you do it? Is 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 online forms a, a passion of yours? Um, I will say it's a passion of mine. Um, I can I can tell you the story of how how I started this company, how I decided this uh, on this idea. Basically, um, I was working in this media company in New York City, and and we had these over hundred websites, and we were. Uh, you know, I was working with these editors and I was, one of my duties was to actually help them with, uh, forms. You know, we needed to create forms for questionnaires, uh, surveys, um, polls, you know, when they were doing awards, you know, they needed nomination forms, voting forms. And while I was building all these forms, I was thinking, okay, I was thinking like you, like, like forms are not that, that important. I mean, that should be a tool so that I don't have to spend this time. You know, it, it it's I shouldn't be as a developer should be creating this form. That should be a tool so that you know the, our editors could just go and create these forms. And I looked around uh, what's available out there, and I couldn't find anything good. And that's when I knew like JotForm, like the idea of JotForm actually came to me at that time. And after I left. Uh, that company, I worked there for five years as a uh, web developer. And I, I, after I left there, I was thinking about, you know, various uh, products. And I also had some side products that were actually selling. But I thought that I was going to, you know, I should build like the biggest pain I saw when I was uh, working. And that was, you know, creating forms. And so the idea is that even though uh, maybe forms are boring, uh we want to take that um, take that boring task as 
make it as simple as possible so that you know we can, we can take that pain away from people and even though you know forms kind of look boring they actually save a lot of time and um and our users actually save so much time because they use forms because they they don't have to communicate so much like let's say you're uh you're actually you know let's say you have you have an event and like you have to email all these people you have to talk to them all the time and try to figure out how to you know make sure that you know um, get them RSVP talk to each one of them instead you could just create a form and you know get them to fill that form send you all the required information properly like use things like you know validation or conditional logic in your forms to make sure that the data you receive uh, is in a proper format which saves you time you don't have to go back and forth with the people so it's it's about saving time it's about productivity yeah, no, totally. And and I wasn't being flippant with my kind of question about, hey, is it a passion of yours? Because, you know, I know from my own research that um, you, you didn't do this because you're passionate about building online forms. You did this uh, because you you saw a problem and you wanted to solve that problem. And, and that was kind of one of the important lessons uh, that you learned about building a startup. And and just with that sort of approach of just finding a problem to solve, you you've gone on to to build a company with, you know, over 4 million users and a and hundred employees and you guys are profitable. So yes. that's a, that's an awesome place to, to be. Thank you. So when you had this idea for Jotform and you kind of started building this on the side, how did you, like, how long did it take you to build that first version of the product? and and what did it do? I assume there was just a you know a couple of core things it did when you launched. I actually quit my job in two thousand five summer, so and I started working on Jotform. And the great thing was, I before before I quit my job, I already had these uh, side products that I I sold to people, which actually gave me so much uh, experience with um, you know. Talking with people, talking with customers, you know, doing pre-sales, uh, question answering them, uh, doing customer support, um, understanding customers, all those kind of things. I gained that experience on the side while I, I was full time. Um, I was employed full time, and by the time I quit my job, actually, I was earning more from my side business than I earned from my uh, from my job. So it was actually easy for me to start working on a new product because I already kind of had this, it wasn't completely passive. passive. Um, I would wake up early in the morning, you know, work on my product and then, you know, go to, go to work and then come back from work and I would continue working on helping, you know, customers install my product on their website, things like that. Um, but because of that, I was able to just spend all my time um, on the new product. So in 2005, uh, somewhere I started working on Jotform and I released the first version of Jotform in 2006, February. So it's, it's a little bit more than six months. And, um, but I want, I didn't want to just build everything. Um, the, the term MVP wasn't coined at that time, but what I was doing is was actually MVP. And, um, for example, I didn't have like a paid version. It was completely free, which actually helped me 
uh, in the beginning to gain more uh, users and more signups. So it was completely free. It doesn't have many advanced features, but it it had this basic idea that you could just drag and drop questions uh, to your form and create your form. And I wanted the first version to actually demo the products. That's why I didn't actually have a homepage. I didn't have a landing page. It was when you went to uh, to jotform.com, you would only see the form builder and you could just play around. And one of the one of the great things about that was Jotform kind of became this showcase of what can be done on a web browser. Because at that time, uh, in this is 2006, uh, Gmail has just recently came out. Um, people are always, everybody is talking about, you know, what kind of things can be done on browser. Like there is like majority of people were saying things like, you know, uh, apps on browsers can never become successful. Uh, they can never be as powerful as as uh, apps on uh, bra- apps on desktop, and at that time the, during this discussion, actually, I used that angle. I used this technology angle to actually get some PR for my product. So I emailed every um, tech news site about uh, my launch, and you know, I told them about like how you can how it uses this recent technologies like Ajax. Ajax was coined like a year before. Ajax and, um, you know, drag and drop on, uh, it, it wasn't like, it wasn't very common to see. I don't think there are many examples of drag and drop on the web browser at that time. Uh, so all these new technologies that I used, I, I used that as to get some PR, uh, for the released, um, of Jotform. And I was also, uh, able to get, uh, people to, um, you know, come to the site and you know, sign up and use the product by um, posting on some, some online communities. I was part of some online communities like, you know, Joel Sparsky had a uh, business of software forum. So my launch news was actually posted there and I had so many comments there and lots of people came from that and signed up. And I had a blog. Blog didn't have a huge amount of traffic, but it actually helped create the story because blog was linked from the homepage. And when actually, you know, all these tech news sites, they wanted to write about the, the product, they ha- they were able to, you know, find more details about the history of what, you know, what's going on, why it's so important. And even my blog was called, uh, you know, web apps are the future. Uh, and that was, you know, today it's, it's yeah, it's not future, it's today, the web apps are, Mm-hmm. You know, they can even be called past now. It's everybody is talking about mobile, but uh, at that time, you know, uh, desktop apps were more powerful than the uh, browser apps. So, you know, it was kind of uh, it wasn't a conventional thing to say. And um, and the other reason Jotform gained so much, so many signups in the first year was uh, because it was free. And until two thousand seven March. Uh, we didn't have a paid version. So uh, I wanted to see the adoption. I want to see how people, if people like it, if people use it before I worked on the paid version. So it was kind of an MEP and it worked and people talked about it and people were signing up for it. And in 2006, we we had 15,000 signups. And <clears throat> today we get that, uh, we get more than that in a week. But at that time, 
it was a huge number for me. Uh, I never seen such adoption in my other products. And in two, 2007, when I released the, uh, the paid version, the premium version of the product, um, when I released it in March, I think we had like more than 20,000 signups and I sent the email and, you know, people started upgrading. Uh, like the first upgrade came from a university in Spain and then someone from UK and uh, then someone from US. And, uh, and that was really exciting to see people are actually uh, ready to pay for the product. And during 2007, we were able to get um, 500 paid users uh, during that time. And um, so you had 20,000 free users and then of those 500 yeah. converted to a paid account. Yes. Why, why did you start with a free app? Because you said you know, you've, you've quit your job. You spent six months building Jotform. Why, why go with a free product? Like, wouldn't it make more sense to try to charge something for it so you can at least see how... I mean, anybody will sign up for a free product. Yeah. I think the main reason is my, my previous ex- experience. Um, when I was in college, even before like I worked full-time for this media company, when I was in college, I released this open source product. And like I was part of this student organization, and I, I was building their website. And while I was building their website, I actually made this you know, membership section uh, on, their, on their website. And this is 1990. Eight, I'm talking about, and I created this uh, this this product that can be installed on a website, so that you can have like a membership section in your website, membership and profile section in your website. And I, I thought, you know, maybe other organizations or other websites might use this, so I just put it out there as an open source product, and people actually liked it, and people started using it, and people actually started sending me checks so I can customize it for them. And and in the uh, senior winter break of 2000, it, it was 1999, um, it was 2000 actually, winter break, uh, senior winter break. I actually worked on the paid version of the product and I released it and I, you know, I was able to, uh, people started actually buying that product. So that was my, accidental discovery that um, if you if you release things as as free to the world that if you if you try to sell it and if you are just a, I'm just a student I have no idea what marketing means or I have no idea how to sell it uh, so I accidentally discovered that if you provide it as a free uh, you actually get people to use it and they they want to pay for it so that discovery, helped me actually get into the business. So um, if if I hadn't had that, maybe I, I would never become um, start my company in the future. Uh, but that that discovery taught me that a lesson that you know you you can actually get feedback from users. You can get people to adopt your product as a if you release it as a free product. And um, I guess maybe that was the reason that. Um, that I released the first version as a completely free product. But I think the one, one other reason was I didn't know if it would, would actually turn out to be successful. I, I just wanted to see uh, if you know, people would use it. And 
when you need to create a paid product, you actually need so many more things. Like a free product, is people are ready to just play around. And and um, that, that was kind of my MVP uh, to see how people would react. And when you built the, the paid version, like it, it didn't, you, you still kept the free free product as well there, right? This was kind of like a freemium yeah. model where everyone can use the free version, but if you want more functionality, yeah, you can pay for it. I guess, yeah, definitely. Because I guess this, this is probably an experience when I was a student, you know, I wouldn't pay for any product. So if something had a free version, I would use it kind of. Uh, so probably because of all those experiences, I, you know, I believe that um, having a free version is, you know, is a good way to get people to start using the product and, you know, get a taste of the product. And uh, even today we have a free version um, and we have uh, people actually trying the product all the time. And uh, we have limits so that, you know, if you, if you, if you need to, if you receive more than hundred form submissions per month, you know, you upgrade to the paid plan. Or if you need like, you know, features like payment integrations uh, with PayPal or, or Stripe, you are limited. We, we still allow uh, those things on free version, but you can only get like three payments per month uh, on those features. So uh, we still allow people to actually try the product. And if they are a heavy user, they have to pay. But if they are just using very... Um, seldom they don't actually fa- pay so we have lots of uh, free users who don't who don't pay and uh, and one one great thing about this um, you know the cloud is that um, it, it doesn't create too much uh, work for us to keep those free users um, so um, I think it's a we see that as a marketing expense that having you know taking care of the free users and we even provide support uh, for free users, because here's the thing: if if free users become successful, then they will actually upgrade to the paid version. And by providing um, free support to free users, we are actually able to get more and more people to become successful with Jotform, and in turn, they they in turn become paid users, and uh, they start using it for more. Uh, like typically someone will start with a single form at chat form and then you'll start seeing like there they start using it for very very different reasons like you we have users with you know hundreds of forms and you know they will maybe start with an registration form that they you know they uh, get people to sign up for some some event or some um, some product they have something they have and then they will they will also create a lead generation form and then they will create a survey and then they will start using it a lot more as they discover all these, you know, form templates that we have. We have like, you know, 10,000 form templates people can actually pick from. So we give them all these uh, different ideas about how they can use JotForm in different ways. And as they become more power users, um, they kind of, at, at some point, they have to upgrade. I think um, the, the, uh, the, I think it was a to the up. I, I can't remember the name, but one of the uh, ever Evernote was famous about this. That um, as people use Evernote, as they become stay as an active user at Evernote, uh, they ha- they are more likely to become a paid user. Uh, 
Um, I think it's very similar at Jotform. If someone is, uh, you know, even if they are free user for many years, if they start active, they will gradually increase their usage and they will become a paid user. Um, so um, I think it's working out well for us. And uh, many of our competitors actually, you know, don't don't have free versions uh, or they just very disable everything on the free version. Um, I don't know how that works for them, but we are more, uh, we are not focused on, uh, you know, profit too much. We are f- more focused on growth and we, we have a long-term view and, um, and it works for us. So when you uh, got those first 500 paying customers, do you remember what you were charging? It was $9 per month at that time. Okay. So it was kind of like just under five thousand mm-hmm. dollars a month you were you were generating. Yeah. Okay. Today we our our lowest plan is nineteen dollars. So we didn't increase the pricing a lot in the you know eleven years since then. Yeah. Okay. So you you've launched the 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 paid version. You're getting five almost five thousand dollars a month in MRR, uh, and it was still just you. Had you, had you kind of taken on any help or were you using kind of any vendors or was you, were you doing everything? Yeah. Um, in 2006 fall, the year that I released the free version, I actually hired my first employee. And uh, that's how I was able to, you know, work uh, work on the paid version, just make sure that, you know, we, we, we are adding all these uh, additional features that are Asked about one of the great things about having a free free product is you get more users. So as we had, you know, ten thousand signups, not all of them become uh, active users. But as the time went on, um, we started receiving all these feedbacks, all these requests from our users, and uh, we use that feedback to work on the paid version. And I I hired uh, someone, if my first employee, uh, a developer. In 2006, uh, even before we had the paid version, and um, and then next year 2007, uh, when we released paid version, I hired my second employee. So we actually grown very slowly. Like you know, first year one employee, second year two employee, third year three employee, and we gradually um, we were growing very gradually. And like kind of. Beyond what you talked about in terms of kind of getting the word out, I mean, from what I heard, you know, the using the sort of the Ajax technology, being able to sort of kind of ride off the back of the the media buzz around Gmail um, kind of was one approach that kind of helped to spread the word. Uh, having a free version, your blog, uh, and then kind of sharing in these online communities. And that kind of got you that initial kind of momentum but beyond that, what were you doing to to start growing this business? And you know, what what were the kind of the when you look back, what were some of the significant things you did that took this from a a, a business with twenty thousand users to four million users? Yeah, I think I think the biggest one is uh, working on the product because as when I look at the numbers for um, for these you know last twelve years, I always see this you know uptick every time we have 
like a major improvement improvement in our product, we start getting more and more signups. And um, uh, I think one of the reasons is we still our biggest growth engine is word of mouth. People actually telling each other about Jotform because they use Jotform, they are happy with it, and they 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 talk about about it to other people. So by having good product and uh, by providing a good customer ser- service to all these users, we are able to um, get them to you know talk about Jotform to their friends and colleagues. Um, I think the second one is um, is the product has a has a virality in itself. Uh, it's not viral like a social you know social uh, social sites, uh, but it still it still has some some kind of virality because every time you send someone a job form form, you are actually you know those people are actually seeing the domain name in the URLs. And half of our users use Jotform on their uh, pages, on their websites, uh, while the other half actually uses forms by themselves. Uh, just email the form to others, or you know, they just put the form in in some, uh, put the link somewhere. So, and so by having um, the the by having the Jotform domain name in the URLs that people send to each other in the form URLs. And the second one is by having branding on free user forms. And this was actually a, a growth engine that I really resisted. Like uh, we started actually doing this last year in, in, in 2017. And we were, until that time, we were getting like, you know, 1,000 signups per month. Um, and we, we were actually able to increase that number to... 300,000 signups by uh, per per day by just adding by just starting adding um, Jotform branding at the bottom of uh, our forms, and I have been resisting that idea for a long time. But my my employees actually, you know, our growth team actually convinced me that you know we need to do that, and we did an initial small test, and we found that you know people are clicking on that those uh, brand brandings at the bottom of the forms and people were actually clicking on them and people were signing up for them. So, and um, that kind of increased the virality of the product. And um, other growth strategies we use is, I also already mentioned the free version. Free version allows people to actually try out the product and um, use it for like small projects. And then as they use it and, um, they actually um, uh, they find more ways to use the product, and they they also by using the free product by sending all those URLs to each other, they are actually uh, letting other people know about Jotform. Um, another thing is SEO. Um, having a good SEO helps us uh, gain you know lots of users. Uh, one of the tricks we have is basically uh, when you when you and we, we receive lots of uh, support questions. Like we receive uh, more than 500 uh, support questions per day. And our, the, when you request a support, when you send a support question, you can actually, um, there's actually option to send it publicly or privately. And basically we, we made it default to public, but you know people can actually make it private. But what, when, they, when they submit a support question, 
publicly, what happens is that it kind of shows up in our support system, kind of like a support forum. And what happens is that we have so many, uh, we have you know over hundred thousand um, public uh, support threads that that provide both uh, social proof because people can actually see that lots of other people are using uh, JotForm successfully uh, from those threads. Even even if even if they see a problem about JotForm, they can see that you know we are actually taking care of those problems as well. So we are not afraid to uh, show bad things. Um, you know, I think as if you are attentive, uh, attentive, and if we if we actually solve the problems, I think it's it's still good. It you know because nobody is perfect, uh, but if you are if you are able to solve uh, those problems quickly. It, it's still a good social proof, and those form threads are also great for SEO because um, because people ask those questions in very different ways, and people actually search uh, those things also in very different ways too. So by having all those form threads that have those uh, titles and content uh, that talk about you know what people search on Google. We are actually able to gain lots of users uh, from our support forum, and you know, we we have other content on our site too. And uh, I think SEO is a really important um, growth uh, channel for us as well. So that's really smart, right? I mean, just by making the the support uh, public, you're you're kind of providing social proof because other people can see what's going on and how you're solving problems. It's kind of becoming. It's helping with SEO and getting organic traffic, and it's a it's a great knowledge base that people can look for to to kind of find problems without having to always you know contact your support team about it. Yeah, exactly. They can actually search and find previous threads, and they can join the discussion, and uh, uh, they can they can ask for things, and um, um, it it works great. Jotform isn't the only form building software out there and over the last 12 years of of building and and growing this business i'm sure you've seen uh com- competing products kind of come and go um but you guys are still around you're growing you're profitable what how, well, first of all how do you think about competition how much time do you have you maybe it's different today but let's say in the early days how much time did you spend thinking or worrying about the competition um i didn't really because here's what i found out you don't actually have to you don't need to worry about competition because even if they have a great idea that you are missing out customers actually come to you and ask for the same idea so you don't actually you know i don't even check what our competition does and um, because if they have two great ideas that you're missing out, someone will actually ask for it anyways. And because we listen to our customers um, that, um, you know, we are coming up with better ideas. And we, if, if, you know, they have a good idea that actually comes around and, you know, let, let people let us, uh, let us know that. And I think it's just... Competition does something, and you don't know if it works or not. So it's 
it, it, it might look like it works for them, but you have no idea how it works for them. So I think it's just a waste of time to uh, worry about competition too much. And uh, we try, you know, many different things. And I think one of the ways that we really uh, come up with creative, great ideas is by talking to our users. And uh, we interview our users. We have a user research team that spend, you know, most of their time talking to our users, talking to our customers and uh, finding out, you know, what's working for them, what's not working for them and how how we can improve our product. Um, So, yeah, I I don't really spend much time on uh, competition. What about in terms of differentiating your product? Was that as you were kind of building it in the early days, did you kind of look at competitors' products and sort of think about how you were going to be different or stand out in the market? Or did all of that come from feedback you were getting from your users using the free product? Mm-hmm. I think what, one thing that I, I learned over the years is the founder of the company defines, uh, every company is defined by their founder. Um, if the founder is a salesperson, the company is sales-focused. If the founder is a designer or a consultant or you know something else, uh, in our case, if the founder is a developer, the company is uh, more focused on product and technology. Uh, so in, if you think about it that way, every company actually has their own advantages and disadvantages. And uh, we are more... You know, we are really focused on the product and uh, most of our employees are actually in working on the product. And, you know, we, we spent much less time on, we have, you know, we first, we hire, hired for our first uh, salesperson um, just last week. Uh, <laughs> she started last week. So, wow. and, uh, and uh, we, you know, we don't, uh, we we are more focused on um, um, on on product, and um, and you can see it in the product. It's just much better product, and um, and we are always um, improving the product all the time, and you know rebuilding our you know form builder or the this year we are actually working on on our data tools, how people use their data with uh, with the forms they receive um, with the data they receive on the forms. Um, that's why it's just, uh, that's why I think it's, you know, our, our, our product compared to the competition, our product is, uh, much better. And, um, and this is, this is, the, this, this is the, where we are, we have strengths and, uh, we, I prefer, you know, focused on our strengths, uh, this way, uh, you know, while listening to our customers, of course, and um, by listening to our customers, we we find areas that we are weak, but we always solve this, uh, those areas. We, we've kind of, I mean, it's a great story that we've kind of shared in terms of, you know, you were at a, working as a web developer at a company, you saw an opportunity or a problem that you were having. Uh, eventually you quit your job, built a free product, got lots of users, then built the paid product, uh, got paying customers. And, you know, it hasn't been an overnight success story, but you've gone from 
zero to kind of where you are over the last 12 years. And I know you, you don't talk about revenue, but with over a hundred employees and kind of, you know, what you guys are charging and the fact that you're profitable, you know, my guess is that you're, you're comfortably a seven figure business. So it kind of sounds like everything went well, everything went to plan, but tell me about what didn't go well. Like, what do you look back and sort of say like, that was something, you know, I wish I had done differently or, or something I learned a very, you know, valuable lesson from. There, there's some that mis- some mistakes that I can think of um, from if you start early. Uh, I think that in the early days, one of my mistakes was because we were a bootstrapped business and because I already had this uh, other products that that were they were selling. Um, I I didn't completely focus on Jetform. I would f- you know. I would also work on these other products and, you know, improve those products and do consulting for uh, other businesses. So all those things actually took away from my focus. And um, during the probably first three years, uh, I spent maybe half of my time with other things. And this actually slowed our growth. And this is, uh, and this is, you know, I love being a bootstrapper and it has been successful for me, but this is, you know, one of the things about bootstrapping that, uh, that makes it hard. So you have to actually spend doing consulting. And of course, if I knew that, you know, Jotform would become this successful, uh, if I had hindsight, I, I would have probably spent less time, um, doing other, you know, working on the other products and doing right. consulting, uh, in the beginning. Uh, but at least, you know, even on, even in 2006, I hired an employee and I told him like, just, just work on Jotform. And because my time is divided, so you just focus on that. And, uh, and that actually helped us uh, continue to grow. So I was doing consulting and, you know, working on the, selling the other products and then everything I gained, um, would actually go into, in those, uh, would be in, invested in Jotform. So it wasn't completely, uh, you know, wasted, but I would have probably spent uh, more time on Jotform and um, uh, less time on the other things. Uh, I think another, uh, I, another mistake uh, that we made was, it was around 2009 or 2010 that uh, we learned that it's not a great idea to work on the product behind closed doors. Um, and uh, we worked on the new version of Jotform. Uh, and we were working on this new version for a year. And then we released it. And until that time, we weren't aware that like so many people actually depended. So many people's de- the business actually depended on Jotform. We weren't aware like the growth we had. It was only, we would see the numbers, but we didn't actually uh, see the, the 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 volume of uh, the you know business going on at Chatform until that we did that release. And I think it was 2009 that when we released that new version, suddenly like everybody was angry at us because we we changed so many things in the product and they were actually depending on these things every day and. Even the design of the email they receive when someone fills the form was changed, and then they 
you know, some of the features they were using were changed and just that complete change actually thrown that those people off. And, and that was a big lesson for us. So we, after that, uh, that, that nightmare release that we spent like next three months fixing all those problems users had, we, we fixed everything. I mean, we might have lost, lost some, uh, customers, but we fixed everything, but more importantly, we learned the lesson. The lesson was don't do like big releases uh, behind and don't work on the product behind closed doors. Instead, work on these incremental releases uh, and uh, improve your product constantly. And um, I, also, I was also reading uh, Eric Rice and his blog and uh, about continuous improvement and, you know, lean startup. And uh, after that, we actually changed the way we work and that made a big difference for us. Um, another another um, lesson we learned was also about, you know, how we create the product. Uh, and what happened was when we reached like 15 people, it, it was getting really hard to, um, I think it was around, around the time you know, it was probably like uh, 2014 or 2013. And uh, we, when we reached uh, 15 people, um, in the beginning, when we were like a small team, like we were this five-person team, we would work really well together. We would discuss everything. We would come up with great ideas and we would execute those ideas. But when we when we grown over 10 people, uh, we were actually, you know, what I was doing was I was assigning all these different projects, different people. And suddenly we stopped actually discussing uh, about things among ourselves and everybody started doing their own thing. And it just started not working well. And the lesson was, instead of doing it like this, like everybody works on different things, that we should have, we should go back to those early days, which, you know, when we were five person or when we were like a three person company, that we were so much efficient and, you know, we would create much better product. Uh, what we did was after that, we started working on this, on the, with these uh, product teams, these small cross-function product teams. And today, for example, we have five uh, product teams. Uh, each one has, each one is cross-functional. They have these, you know, designers, you know, front-end developers, back-end developers, you know, sometimes data scientists. Uh, so people from different functions and these, uh, each product team actually have their own office space and they have their own whiteboard. They sit together and they have their, they can close their do door and, you know, they can spend their time discussing about what they're building. They have actually, uh, freedom to actually work on how, decide what to work on, how to work on it. And, uh, just they can come up with really good ideas and execute those ideas. Uh, having everything they need within that room kind of makes them like a startup. And uh, this actually creates, uh, they, they are able to come up with uh, great product ide ideas and uh, execute those ideas uh, thanks to the way we work. That's a, that's a real great setup. And, and there's some really great lessons you shared there. So thanks for doing that. Um, so, all right, it's time to, to wrap up. So we're going to get on to the lightning round. I'm going to ask you seven questions. Uh, just try mm -hmm. to answer them as quickly as you can. You ready? Sure. Yeah. Okay. What's the best piece of business advice you've ever received? Um, release early and often and learn from your users. 
And uh, this I learned from Eric Rice and his uh, lean startup moment. And uh, we we apply that uh, to pretty much everything we do at Jotform. And uh, what book would you recommend to our audience and why? My favorite book is The Goal by Eluhai Goldratt. It's about tier, tier of constraints, uh, how bottlenecks and constraints um, limit you know, limit you. And um, so instead of optimizing everything, um, you, you should focus on your constraints or your bottlenecks. Um, for example, one example I can give is just, I was talking about the, how we have these product teams. And one of the things we have is every product team has their own designers. And looking from outside, if we had a consultant come in and, you know, Look at our uh, product uh, product teams. You know that consultant would probably told us, "You are wasting so much time of the product designers. You should just have one product designers, and you you should have these product teams share them." But we believe that you know our constraint is having a great product and you know producing a better product uh, much faster. Um, so by by not Utilizing designers 100% of the time, we are able to actually uh, improve that constraint. Um, yeah. That's interesting. I've, I've probably had almost 200 book recommendations and never came across that one. So that's a, that's a new one here. It's a great book. It's actually a novel. Uh, I would definitely, you know, it's, it's a really fun read. I'm going to have to check it out. What's uh, one attribute or characteristic in your mind of a successful entrepreneur? It's focused. Um, you know, I see this in less, uh, experienced entrepreneurs. They try to do everything at once and, uh, that just doesn't work. And it just, um, good entrepreneurs find the, you know, biggest constraint that block the growth of the company and go after that constraint. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think focus is the biggest, uh, attribute. What's your favorite personal productivity tool or habit? I will, it's going to be, sounds like a <laughs> promoting my own product, but it's Jotform. <laughs> and the one reason I use Jotform, my own product a lot is because it's, every time I use it, I actually find problems and uh, it, it's, I'm dog fooding myself to find, uh, find problems. And the other re- reason is it's actually great for keeping track. Forms are great for keeping track of things. For example, um, I send myself daily emails to remind myself about, you know, doing things. For example, if I'm dieting, I send myself a JotForm form every day. I auto, you know, every day, every morning, I receive this email that asks, you know, that, you know, links to a JotForm form that I have to enter my weight. So it's, I can look at that chart and see if I'm, you know, losing weight and, uh, if you know, if I if I'm if I need to keep track of a project, the status of the project, I can create a form and just ask the you know lead of the you know the team that works on that project, and I can you know and I can send I can make it sent uh, every day so they they fill the uh, the the status of that project so I'm aware of the status every day. And uh, for example, I do things like these days I'm writing lots of blog posts on Medium and. Uh, I send myself these automated emails to track how many words I write every day. And uh, yeah. 
Those are those are really interesting kind of use cases. I never even imagined using something like Jot Jotform for. Cool. Uh, what's a new or crazy business idea you'd love to pursue if you had the extra time? I've been thinking about. Um, so w- one thing that I do is I my family's hometown is in Turkey, and um, and they have these you know olive gardens. I actually own some olive gardens as well, and every winter I I go. I go there and spend a week, at least a week, sometimes two weeks, uh, picking olives. And one of the one of the problems I saw was that it's really hard to, you know, after it, you, you spend time picking olives, uh, what you do is you actually you need to sort those olives, and uh, and you know some of the olives are you know broken and some of them are like red or green. You need to sort them by size, small, large, because when you sell it to corporation, you need to, you know, put them in different baskets. And so uh, what I was thinking about was this crazy idea is just, you know, having this machine learning AI powered uh, machine that can actually sort. Um, there's currently a tool that can actually sort others uh, by just uh, having this assembly line that, you know, they can fall into different sizes of uh <laughs> holes so that you can separate them on different uh, different baskets. <laughs> but what if, if you had this, you know, machine learning uh, by just looking at the, you know, picture of the olive, it can just look at and see the size, color, and quality of the olive and put it in a different uh, basket. And I, I was thinking about that. Uh, but probably I would never do that. Uh, I don't think it would, you know, earn any money. But <laughs> it's, as you said, it's a, it's a crazy idea. <laughs> Uh, what's an interesting or fun fact about you that most people don't know? Yeah, Jotform actually has three offices in two continents. And we have offices in San Francisco and in Turkey. And I actually spend lots of uh, different time in different places. Uh, so I'm sometimes in Turkey, sometimes in San Francisco. And we also have these remote employees from t- 20 different countries. We have this... Uh, you know, support team, and uh, we, and they work using um, Upwork, and and they're from you know different like, different countries like you know Philippines or El Salvador. Uh, the manager of the support team, she's actually from El Salvador, and she f- works from El Salvador. Uh, so we are a very international company. Well, wow. uh, and finally, what's one of your most important passions outside of your work? I would say, you know, the picking olives is really, uh, really fun for me because I spend a week just, you know, uh, on top of olives, olive trees and looking at these beautiful uh, view of, you know, mountains and um, just it clears my mind. And uh, it kind of reminds me of uh, Bill Gates and his uh, think weeks. He would go for for a weekend just without anybody else and just think about stuff. And um, he wouldn't take, you know, any colleagues or any family members to these think weeks. And uh, it's kind of like that for me too. Like my mind resets and um, I have a much clearer mind. And sometimes I I came back with uh, some interesting ideas from those uh, olive picking uh, days. That's so funny. It's like when you were talking about that, I was thinking of Bill's think week 
as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> funny enough, like when, like a long time ago, when I was at Microsoft, uh, I actually wrote a Think Week paper, and uh, wow. you know, people said, "Hey, you know, you know, Bill, Bill kind of reads them, but don't expect any feedback or anything like that." Because uh, he really does that, you know, for a small number. And actually, it was my first Think Week paper, and I actually got Bill read it and actually wrote a whole bunch of a whole bunch of feedback on the paper, which nice. was pretty positive. And that was, for me was like you know one of the highlights of kind of being there, right? You know, yeah. Bill actually read something Great. that I wrote. <laughs> That's awesome. You should probably you know put it online or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. I take it. Thank you, man. It's been really, it's been a pleasure, uh, you know, having you here and kind of hearing the story of Jotform and, and sharing all your kind of lessons and experiences with us and, and just kind of going into, you know, you went into a lot of depth in a lot of areas and, you know, I appreciate you kind of doing that. And, you know, 12 years is a long time to be working on a business and some of those kind of memories sort of fade away after a while. Um, yeah. but, you know, I appreciate you kind of taking us through, you know, right from the early days. Thank you, Amar. Sure. No, my absolute pleasure. Now, it was my pleasure. <laughs> it's both, both of our pleasure. All right. So if, if people want to find out more about Jotform, they can go to jotform.com. Um, and if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, they, can, they, can, uh, they can find me on Twitter or they can just send me an email at uh, itakin at jotform.com. And yeah, I would be happy to hear from them. Awesome. Um, and uh, I, I, I love kind of your blog on Medium as well. So I'm going to include a link to that in the show notes as well. I think there's some great stuff there that people might want to check out if they've enjoyed listening to you. They'll get more stuff over cool. there. <laughs> awesome. <Cool. laughs> Thank you. I wish Thank you all you. the best. And, uh, you know, good luck with the future of Jotform. Thank you very much. Take care. All the best. Thanks for listening. I really hope you enjoyed the interview. You can get to the show notes as usual by going to thesaspodcast.com where you'll find a summary of this episode and a link to all the resources we discussed. If you enjoyed this episode, then head over to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast. And if you're in a good mood, consider leaving a rating and review to show your support for the show. If you're not already in iTunes, just go to thesaspodcast.com and click the iTunes button. Thanks for listening. Until next time, take care.